Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to do my best to teach more than preach today. Um, I'm trying to go through some of the stuff that Jesus did and said and just remind us about some of the stuff that Jesus said and did and, and keep that on our hearts, okay? And um, there's something that, that uh, we just don't hear much about or talk about anymore. Um, it's something that if you're around some people who grew up in Pentecost or uh, charismatic circles, you'll, if you hear them pray, you might hear them pray along these lines, but we just don't hear much teaching about it or talking about it. And it's the concept that Jesus introduces when he tells, when he talks about binding and loosing. Okay? So we're going to talk about that this morning. All right? This is a, this is a powerful concept. And we live in a day and time when the church needs to recapture her authority and do her job and do the work that she was established on the earth to do. Oh, time out in my sermon. One more second. Just, I know everybody's been asking. Y'all been very, very worried. But Jonathan is not dead. He is alive. How many of y'all are happy to see him back this morning? Okay. He has been, uh. He's been working. That's why he's been gone. He's been working. But praise God, he got today off, and so he is here. And uh, thank you very much, Jonathan. And, and really, thank you, Lacey and, and, and Hannah, for picking up the slack for Jonathan being a slacker. Amen? All right. Praise God. All right. But anyway, we go back to the church. The church needs to, to capture her, her authority again. We live in a day and time that if the church doesn't operate in her God-given authority, then hell will, will absolutely operate in its authority. Hell's going to do its thing. The, the question isn't whether or not hell's going to do its thing. The question is, will the church do its thing? So we're going to talk about what it means to bind and loose. We're going to put this in proper perspective. There's been a lot of stuff that's been uh, taught that's not necessarily right, and there's been some stuff that's been taught that is 100% right that it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm not saying this to brag whatsoever, okay, but I just finished um, 32 weeks of learning the, uh, the, the Greek language as the, the, that they use in the scripture writing, you know, uh, 32 weeks took me a little over, no, a little less than a year of, of learning the biblical Greek, all right? So I'm finding out that stuff scares me more now. When I go over and read that language, and I'm like, man, I thought this all my life, and now it's like, more, you know. And Anyway, so if I nerd out on you every once in a while, it's because I want to. And it's because uh, the Greek is cool, but uh, it helps us to understand. So I'm going to read this passage of Scripture Matthew 16, it says this, when Jesus came into the, oh, by the way, everybody welcome Miss Ray. Yeah, look over here, Miss Ray. Uh, she loves being the center of attention. This is her first Sunday ever to run words, and she's doing a fantastic job here, here to run words. And so, and so give her a big high five when you leave today, but she's going to keep up real good, right? <laughs> now she's going to put every wrong scripture now just to spite me. All right. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples. Now, let me, let me set the stage for you. I've been here. Um, this is 
this is uh, the northern part of Israel, and there's this huge rock cliff, okay? Uh, there's this huge bluff, this, this, this face of a rock cliff. And at the bottom of the rock cliff, they have, they have hewn out from themselves. They, 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 they've made it into a temple. So they, this cave at the bottom, and, they, and they've done architecture, and they've made this temple. This, this, I think it was to Pan, God of Pan. And they would worship there. Really bad worship stuff would happen here. And it's in this, in this uh, rock cliff, and at this, God, this God, false god temple at the bottom of this cliff where they did pagan worship, um, they would call this 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 cave, if you will, the gates of hell. And Jesus has his disciples around him and they're standing in front of this cliff and this is the conversation that ensues. He asks his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, others still Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to him, that's what they say, but he wants to know, who do you yourselves say that I am? And that's the question all of us will answer. When we stand before God, it won't be, what did, what did everybody else say about Jesus? It'll be, what do you say about Jesus Christ? Yeah. Who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter popped up. This is one of those instances, I like Simon, right? He popped up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Period. I mean, just like, bam, fact. Right? No cap. Right? Okay? Is that, is that, did I use it right? Okay, we're good. Okay. So he just makes this emphatic statement. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there was more than just, listen to me, there's more than just he got the answer right. When he said that, he was releasing something that had been deposited in his spirit from heaven. And he was, he was releasing it. Everybody say, everybody say, I don't know, loose. He was loosing something from heaven in his spirit. Jesus even acknowledges, hey, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but our Father who is in heaven, right? He's saying there's something in heaven that was in your spirit that you let out, and, and, and that was such a powerful moment, such a powerful revelation, that it becomes the foundation by which I build the church upon. That's the power of loosing. Y'all following me? That's the power of having some a revelation from God. And when we loose it, we're not just having a moment. We are literally establishing things in the spirit realm. Yeah. Blessed are you. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, verse 18, says, I say to you that you are Peter. Okay? And on this rock, not just Peter... But the revelation that Peter has, upon this rock, I will build my, everybody say church. The gates of hell, and he points right over there at that pagan temple cave. And he says, the gates of hell cannot overpower what you just said. That's the power of loosing. You got to imagine what they're looking at. They're looking at at people performing sexual acts as a form of worship. They're looking at 
at people cutting themselves and self-mutilation and even, even offering infants in, in work. I mean, it was as bad as what you watch on CNN and Fox News. You see what I'm saying? And they're looking at that, and Jesus says to him, that is not more powerful than what you just said. And if the church could believe again, that the revelation of Jesus Christ released from their heart and their spirit was more powerful than anything our eyes behold in this world realm. Man, could we do some business then. Are y'all with me? I will build my church, Jesus says. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And then verse 19 is, is the crux of our text. I will give you the keys. Everybody say keys. What do you do with keys? You lock stuff and then you unlock stuff. Right? You, 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 you take a lock and you go to your house, right? And you, you, when you leave, you lock it so that you keep stuff out. But when you want to go back in, you unlock it because you want stuff in. The key of the kingdom is the ability to lock some things up and to unlock some things. It's to keep some stuff out, but also to bring some stuff in. That's the key of the kingdom. The church has authority. Somebody say amen. amen. The church has always been identified in, in a scripture as kind of like this gatekeeper for whatever realm of authority that church sits in. For instance, the people, this is why I love churches in the, the New Testament that were kind of identified as the church of Philippi or the church of Corinth or the church of Ephesus because what it was, it was this idea that there was a church established in this city and they were the gatekeepers of the city and they had the keys to what was allowed in their city and what was, uh, and what was not allowed in their city. Are y'all with me? They have the key. They have governmental authority. So I will give you the key to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been, crazy phrase, we'll get there later, shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Okay? And so basically, God is saying to the church, Here's this revelation. I'm going to build my church upon it, and you're going to have keys, and you're going to allow some things, and you're not going to allow some things. You're going to tie some things up, and you're also going to lose some things. You're going to have the ability to lock some things up. And you're going to have the ability to unlock some things that have been locked up. And that's the power of the church. You all out there? That's the power of the church. This is why the church is so under attack in our modern society. This is why the church... Uh, uh, we, we, why, why does the church exist? It exists, number one, to preach and proclaim that Jesus saves. But it exists, number two, to be the gatekeepers of the arena that it exists in, the city it lives in. And it has the ability to say, no, that's not allowed here. And it has the ability to say, but what's there can be here. And, and I can, uh, this has to stay out. We lock it out. But this, but there has to come in. We, we unlock it and bring it down. So if we as a church joined with all the other believers in Eldorado, Arkansas, saw ourselves as gatekeepers, saw ourselves as people with the key, 
Instead, things like violence and murder, things like drug epidemic and, 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 and uh, 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 oppression, and uh, you can just go down the list. All the stuff that we can say, we have the, we have the church have the ability to lock some things up, but also to release some things. I don't know, joy, yeah. peace, love, grace, mercy. And that is the, that is the two, that bifold function of the church. Jesus is king. Jesus is the son of God. And, and it is our job to be the gatekeepers, to lock some things up and to unlock some things. That makes sense? Go to Matthew 18. If your brother sins, such, a, such, a, such an odd place to have this passage of scripture. But I want you to look here. It's not really that odd. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won a brother. If he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that on the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Okay? Tell it to the church. And if he refused to listen even to the church... He is to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loose in heaven. And again I say to you, y'all with me? Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything, that they may ask, it shall be done by them, for them, by my Father who is in heaven. Why? Because the church, in agreement, has the power to unlock some things and has the power to lock some things back up. And even in an instance where there's disunity in the church, a brother who won't acknowledge his sin, right? The church can deal with, 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 with this discipline that has the ability to lock some things up and unlock some things. In other words, on a deeper level here, is, is they're literally saying, this brother is unrepentant. You literally have to lock him up. Yeah, we don't like that, do we? See what I'm saying? Because what's on his life would spread like leaven through the body. That makes sense? Paul did this a couple of different times. Not saying this is our normal practice, but that's, it is the idea. The, the concept of the power to bind and loose was given traditionally to the rabbis. It was exercised as the rabbi's right to allow or disallow conduct, teaching, etc. according to their interpretation of the Torah. Basically, this is Jesus looking at his disciples and then further looking at his disciples and the church uh, as they would as they would establish a church, and he's saying, look, you have the right basically to interpret the scriptures or you have the right to establish what's allowed and what's not allowed. Everybody fast forward in your brain to Revelations chapter 2. And there's this woman named Jezebel. Why is she there? Because the church had tolerated her, what the scripture says. You have tolerated this woman Jezebel. In other words, what the church 
wasn't doing. They wasn't lock, They weren't locking her up. They were allowing her and tolerating her. And he says, now you got this Jezebel problem. Are y'all out there? Okay. And so, again, I say to you that if the two of you agree on earth about anything, what you may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. In other words, this actually works. <laughs> okay. Praise God. Woo! Jesus here is allowing the same authority to the disciples and ultimately the church that he has correctly received, that has correctly received the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Interesting little tidbit here. I don't want to get, I don't want to get off in the, in, in the weeds and be too nerdy, but the, I, the, the word church in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, exists twice, and I've just read you both instances. Matthew 16, I will build my church. Matthew 18, if there's a problem in the church. Both those instances of the mention of the ecclesia, the church, in the four Gospels are accompanied with the idea that the church binds and looses. Coincidence? Coincidence? I think not. It is 100% the function of the church to take authority over spirits, lies, or whatever, to bind them up. But it's also 100% the, the, the function of the church to loose things into the atmosphere, in your home, in your workplace, in your city, in your family. It is the function of the church to say, stop, that's not allowed. And yes, that, that right there is what we're after. More of that right there. Right? Right? Okay. Um, the power um, and authority of the local church has to, uh, has to operate in the arena of its domain. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying is not necessarily possible. I remember, two or three gathered. Did I get that far? For there, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in their midst. Let me just say, let me just, let me just talk about a couple of things that I've seen that, that I just can't really make the scripture work, but I'm not necessarily saying don't do this. But you know, you get this, you get this really warfare-minded person. They just walk anywhere they want to walk. They just bind and loose anything they want to bind and loose. Right? If, I, if, if, uh, if Lexi's sick and Ethan starts praying for Lexi and I'm just listening in and he says, I bind this sickness and I lose healing, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Okay? You should probably do that. That's a good thing to do. Amen? If Lexi has a demon, right? She is talking about getting married. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know who said that, but I like you. Okay, so don't tell Matthew we said that. Okay, but so, and, and, and anything's like I bind that and we lose that, right? Whatever, that's that's fine. Okay, that's fine. I, I don't really have a problem with that. But there's this idea that one person, without the agreement of the body, can just go around binding and loosing whatever they want to. That's that's not only is that not necessarily scriptural; it's probably dangerous. See, this was meant to function in the context of when the body comes together and the power of the agreement of the body, man, they can lock some things up and they can unlock some things. And that's how the church works. Yeah. 
And that was one of their God-given functions. One that I think we've kind of forfeited for a while. So, go to Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22, 22 says this. I will put the key of the house of David on his shoulder. Man, we've heard a lot of stuff about the key of David in, 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 our, in our lifetime. And here's what I want to say what the key of David is. The key of David is very simply this. Governmental authority set by God. Uh, the, the kingdom will rest on his shoulder, right? If you have keys, you have authority. You have, you have the key of David is that I will set the key of the house. The house of David is the government of our God. That makes sense? The house of David is the government of our God. It is the kingdom of God, all of it. Every different part, whether it's Gentile or Jewish or whatever, all of it is the house of God because uh, he, he teaches and in, in Paul teaches that there is no male or, or female or Jew nor Greek. It's all the house of God, one body, right, in Christ. So you have the key. I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. That's Jesus. That's why, that's why it starts off with, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Say amen. Right? Okay? And, and whenever that key is in operation, he opens and nobody can shut it. I kind of like the Old Testament principle here a little bit more because it opens uh, it's, it's thinking open before it's thinking shut. I'll, I'll explain that more. But he opens something and no one can shut it. There is not a door hell can shut that the church would open. Literally, we would have to close that door. You see, there's also when he shuts, no one can open. There's not a way for hell to infiltrate the church unless the door is open unto hell to infiltrate the church. The door has to be open. Satan is not all powerful. Somebody say amen. Hell's not all powerful. There has to be an open door. Amen. And so the person who shuts doors and opens doors is the, is the people of God under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Right? Hell can open nothing. Hell can shut nothing. It can only, uh, it can only be denied access or granted access. So this is the same language he says here. He says, it's the same thing as binding and loosening. There's going to be a key. It's, it's the authority, the government's uh, ecclesia meant literally an assembly. And it meant like, uh, almost like a, uh, the Senate would gather and they would gruel on things and they would make a proclamation. That's one of the functions of ecclesia. The church is to governmentally say, that's allowed in our city, that's not allowed in our city. That's allowed in our house, that's not allowed in our house. It, back in Matthew 16, when he says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, or I will build my church. And back in Matthew 18, when he says, church, church, um, it's very probable that Jesus actually didn't say church because the church wasn't a thing yet. But for some reason, Matthew, who wrote this many years later, so sees it as significant to the establishment and the function of the church, 
he writes it in there and saying the church. Because the church is a New Testament principle after the cross resurrection, the birth of the church with the spirit coming down, right? Pentecost and the, the church's birth. And Matthew, as he's recounting the gospel, he's, he's literally so seeing it as a function of the church, he writes it into the gospel. Let's go on to verse, uh, let's go on to uh, the two words, bind and loose. In the Greek, to bind something, to exercise authority over something. On the basis that, listen to me, when you bind something, you exercise authority over it, you bind it, you tie it up, you grab a hold of it, whatever it is you want to say, you, you put it in a handcuffs, okay, on, you, on the basis that it's not legitimate. Everything that hell brings is a lie. It's not legitimate. It's a counterfeit. Somebody say amen. It is a counterfeit. It's not legitimate. If you buy into it, what it's selling you is not what you get at the end. Somebody say amen. Okay? And so listen to me. I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to just... So if we look at another aspect of the church right now, let's talk about the Methodist church. And I want to say this right now. I have pastors who are very dear friends of mine in the Methodist church. Those pastors have decided to loose themselves, if you know what I'm saying. Okay? But in the the Methodist church, there's a segment of the Methodist church that is staying with the traditional Methodist movement that is saying, believing a lie, that the word of God allows for homosexual marriage and all this kind of stuff. And it's under the guise of love and inclusion and acceptance. So what they have is they have authority. And they are actually, instead of binding something, they're opening a door. And what they believe is coming in is, is masqueraded as love and acceptance and inclusion, in the end will be its destruction when it comes to what is an actual, true, and godly church. But all along they've had the authority to say, no, tie that up. That's not allowed. Does that make sense? So, we all, so many times we want to we put uh, binding and loosing Right, right down to a very personal thing, like like somebody is manifesting a demon, so we bind the demon and we lose the, the spirit and all that kind of And that may be an actual usage, but I'm saying it's much bigger than that. I'm saying the Methodist church, when it didn't bind something, it actually allowed something in that will cause its destruction. When it had the authority all along to bind that thing up and to remove it from its assembly. And then the Methodist church could have grown on and, and not split and not cause division within the body. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So too, that's the kind of governmental authority we have as the church. If we allow something into our assembly that is not from heaven, and if we don't, we don't recognize it for what it is and bind that thing up and restrict its involvement into our assembly, we will reap the, the, uh, the, the seed, the, the, 
we reap the harvest of the seed that was sown into our assembly. This is why, as a church, we need not just leadership, but the, the revelation, or the, more accurately, the discernment of the body to discern between spirits. Come on, when's the last time you heard somebody preach about discerning of spirits? Where is the discernment of spirits going? No, 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 no. That's not of God. Let's bind that up. Because we are trying to approach all these issues that are facing our world on an emotional level about how it makes people feel rather than saying, that's a lie, bind it up and get it out. In other words, but that's the truth. Open up the doors and bring it on in. Well, how do we do that? We got the keys. Right? So binding, binding is whenever you tie something up that's illegitimate. To prohibit, to not allow, to not permit. Okay? Loosing. Luo. One of the first words we learn in Greek. To exercise authority over something on the basis of its being legitimate. Really what binding and loosing is, is when you bind something, you're recognizing that's false. And, th- and loosing saying this is real. That's a lie. This is truth. That's from heaven. This is from hell. So, one of my pet peeves with with, with binding and loosing is people are in love with binding and they're pretty like just loosing is kind of an afterthought. I mean, what I'm talking about. You, you, you approach a situation and somebody sit there and bind that thing and bind that thing and bind that thing and bind that thing and bind, 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 bind. And then when they feel like they've got it bound up, they go, whew, job done. Or if we loose something, we'll, we'll, we'll pray a short prayer as an afterthought. We prayed for 45 minutes to bind something up. We pray a 30-second token prayer about loosing something when really the whole point of binding was to get to the part of loosing. Amen. Just like uh, uh, Andrew said a while ago about, about that. It was like, it's the whole point of removing something was to put something in. So this is the teaching about Jesus in the house, right? And there's seven demons. And you can cast all those demons out, right? You can bind them up, cast them out, remove them. You can say, not allowed. But if you don't loose the Holy Ghost into the house, it comes back stronger. Because it's not just about binding. whoop de doop do we have power. Uh, 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 Jesus, uh, the disciples came to Jesus. We've got power. We can cast out demons. Woo! And he's like, dude, that ain't power. Power is, is whenever you see somebody get born again, right? And so the whole point is like, yes, hell responds to you. It has to. You have the keys. Let me say that again. You have the keys. Hell walks through whatever door is open to it. If you want to see hell get out of your life, bind it up, throw it out, loose heaven, and shut the door where hell got in. But listen to me, we can pray all day long. We can bind, lose, bind, lose, bind, lose. We can bind, 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 bind. But if you're not willing to shut the door to where hell has access into your life, it is an exercise in futility. People come to me all the time. Chester, cast this out of my child. (laughs) Maybe that's me coming to me all the time. Anyway, (laughs) you know, like people come to you all the time like, you know, Chester, pray this prayer. Get rid of it. I'm like, well, how's it getting there? Well, you know, 
they want to do this, and okay, are they willing to stop doing that? No, not really. I don't know what you want me to do. This is why we need the word to be accurately reestablished in the body of Christ, and the word is repentance. To stop doing something, turn my back on it, and forsake it, and walk after the way of godliness. Repentance is not a dirty word. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, this part, if it sounds confusing to you because it is confusing even to me, it doesn't say what I want it to say. Okay? Go back to Matthew, go back to 1619. Um, it says this. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound. <laughs> what a, okay, what a weird, uh, I need my pen. Uh, Ethan, run back in the back on the board. There's a black marker. Bring it to me. Be loosed. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you. So listen, shall have been bound. This is a touchy subject. I want everybody, uh, all of you especially, this is like, this isn't Christianity 101, this is Christianity 301, okay? So if you've been around for a while, I need you to pay close attention right here because there is a, there is a, a teaching that we need to grab a hold of and also not be so dismissive of. In the Greek, this doesn't really say shall have been bound. It says like the NIV will be bound. There's two schools of thought within interpreting the Greek here. And it's still a debate going on, except one side is a lot stronger, but it's not the side I necessarily thought I wanted to be on. What it says is, if, if I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, whatever you, we, do here, Shall have been bound. One interpretation of that means this. That I'm binding something that has already been bound, but I'm just coming in agreement with it. So basically, I'm working from heaven down. Okay? That's the way I want it to say. That's not necessarily what the Greek says, though. What the Greek actually says is, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Oh, I don't like that. The problem with I don't like that is that's exactly what the Greek says. So what are you saying, Chester? Are you saying that we are responding to what heaven's doing? Or are you saying heaven's responding to what we're doing? I want it to say that we're just merely responding to what heaven's doing. The problem is it doesn't say that. It says, it says, will have been bound. This is called a perfect resulting language. 
Okay? That's an arrow. And what it means by perfect resulting language is that something happens. This dot. You bind something. Or you lose something. And as a result, something happens. In (laughs) heaven. It's quiet in here. Both of these, I think, are right. Okay? But this is what I think the scripture says. This is where an abuse of this theology turns into Catholicism, and it's not Catholicism, okay? But an abuse of this theology is the idea that we, as the priest, declare everything, and then heaven just follows whatever we say. That's not, that's, that's A, that's the wrong heart posture. All theology is about a proper heart posture, but I'm telling you, the Greek here says that when we take action here, heaven responds and follows suit. I was trying to make this make sense in my head because I don't like this. I don't, I don't like the idea that man can control the situation. I don't think that's actually what's happening. Okay? I don't really like this. Okay? But I was reminded of Moses and God. God establishes a man named Moses. And God makes Moses this governmental leader and authority figure over the nation of Israel, right? The deliverer. And God and Moses often have arguments. Are you with me? And I'm viewing Moses in this analogy as the church, right? And God has this time when he's like, Moses, I'm done with them. I'm done with Israel. I'm going to kill them all. I've had it. Their time is up. And Moses, a man, says, God, that's a bad idea. You can't do that, God. You want to know the number one reason why you can't do that? Because you made a covenant. You can't do that. And God says to Moses, you're right. I'll do as you say. God is responding to the man. I'm not saying God was wrong. If God would have killed Israel, then, you know, he's God, he can do whatever he wants to. But my point is this, my point, except, except, except he can't lie. He can't break his covenant, right? But my point is, is and, and then it goes back and forth. A little bit later, Moses is talking to God. He's like, God, I, wanna, I want you to kill everybody. Like, um, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, I have met my limit. I stayed up all night watching CNN, and I've decided you need to kill them all. <laughs> and God says to Moses, uh, can't do that. You know, there's this whole covenant thing we did, you know. It's this symbiotic relationship where God chose to co-labor, co-labor with man where he absolutely leads them by his spirit, but he absolutely gives them authority and heaven backs up their play. I don't know how to put that in comfortable words other than God gave us the keys. Now I want to say this. 
It works good and bad. This is why we as a church could take authority over our city and we could bind something like, let's say, violence, and we could see heaven move, right? And heaven would come and, and back our play. This is also like something, like, I don't, like, I, the, like the example I just gave with the Methodist church, where we could make a decision and God says, I'll let you have what you want. Have you, have you, ever, you ever asked, I mean, I want to ask God, how come you let the Methodist church go through all this? You could have stopped this. Because he put the key in, that, in the church's hand and said, Y'all can unlock and lock whatever you want to. I don't like that. I would much rather our relationship with God be a little bit more robotic. Whatever you say, God, I am here to do, right? But it's not honestly like that all the time. This is why. This is why sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Ghost is so important to the church. Because if we make decisions according to the flesh, then we will, God will absolutely let us have the flesh that we, we, we want. This is why we have to constantly be humbling ourselves and coming before God in a posture of humility saying, God, we want to walk so uh, rightly. It's like the sober uh, mentality that, 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 that Andrew was producing in this room when he talked about communion. We want to make sure we're doing this the right way because you let us do it the wrong way. And a matter of fact, if we keep doing communion the wrong way, we'll stop reaping the bad benefits of destruction to our own bodies. And he just lets you have it because you got the keys. And whatever you allow is allowed. Whatever you bind is bound, and whatever you loose is loose. So here's the whole point of this sermon. I got one more scripture for you. I don't like this scripture either. Anybody ever read the Bible? I just don't like that one. John chapter 20. Verse 19, when it was evening, evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, this is after the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they were shut up in a room for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst, just appeared, just boom, walked through the wall, walked through the door, and just there he is, right? Next verse. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I now send you. In other words, I'm establishing the church. I'm creating the ecclesia. And you have a mission. You have a function. It is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? As I have been sent, I now send you. And then he what? Verse 22, he said this to them and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Look at me one more time. I say again, we must be full of the Holy Spirit to do the going of the church. If we are not full of the Spirit, we will still go and do things, but they will, we will jack up the world. 
But if we're led by the Holy Ghost, if we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, right, gentleness, self-control, if we have these things in our life, then we can loose some things on the earth that will absolutely unlock heaven in our city. This is the next verse. This is the part I don't like. Verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Take it back. One time when Hannah was getting in trouble at Walmart when she was a little kid, Missy kept started counting the numbers of whoopings she was going to get when we got home. And the closer we got to the house, she kept, she kept going, delete, mom, delete, delete, take it back. Like, delete, right? This is what I'm like, God, take this one back. No, 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 no. Because it reads like if we forgive people, heaven will forgive them. If we don't forgive people, heaven won't forgive them. Do y'all like that? I don't like that at all. But there is this sense as a church that we can absolutely, by our outlook on a certain demographic of people, look at me. Cohen, good preaching, buddy. All right. So look at me. The, the point is, is, like, if we write a certain segment of the population off, am I saying heaven writes them off? That's not, not what I'm saying. But if we write them off, we're the agent that was sent to them, and therefore, do they get do they get there? And uh, uh, how can they hear unless someone? And so there is this power in the church that, look at me, there is this power in the church that when we make decisions, it has eternal implications on the people and on the people we live around. And if we write certain people off because we don't like the way they are, then their chances of, of, of walking through the gates of heaven are slim unless God sends another entity that will do it. But if, but if, but if we embrace people, and I don't care how rotten and destructive and destroyed those people are. If we say, come home, if we loose the Holy Spirit on you, and we say, the power of God be upon you, right? Uh, 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 I don't have fancy speech and word, but what I do have is the Holy Ghost power and receive Christ, right? And we, and, we, and we demonstrate the kingdom of heaven and we loose heaven on the earth. Then guess what happens to them? They get heaven. So it's the it, on, on some aspect, there is a decision-making process of the church that we can either say, yes, heaven is for you, or we can say, you know what? Imagine growing up in the 60s, the 50s, and being a church. Now, nah, you're of the wrong skin color. You're of the wrong skin color. You don't get to go to church with us. Imagine how damaging and destructive that is to the body of Christ Amen. and how much ramifications it had. I was, whenever I was preparing for our 100th year uh, celebration, I was reading through all the minutes of the church. In the early 60s, Second Baptist had voted to allow African Americans to come to the church. That was not a popular thing to do back then. See what I'm saying? What they, what they essentially did was with the keys they had, they said, we unlock this segment of the kingdom. Isn't that powerful? We unlock this segment of the kingdom. While many churches said, no, we keep this part of the kingdom bound up. That's the power the church has over a city. Does that make sense? So here's my point for us. I want to remind you, I want to remind all of us, that us as a church, we have authority. 
I'll never understand the key set of a female. Okay, but here it is. Okay, we have the keys. We didn't earn keys. We had a revelation of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And he says, boom, upon that revelation, I can give you some keys and we can build this thing. And he says, go, now go lock some stuff up where there's death and destruction and where there's uh, deprivation in the body, in, 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 the, in the city that you're in, where, where there is hate and anger, where there, is, where there is racism, where there is immorality on all different levels. Here's a key. Go lock that stuff up intercessors hear what I'm saying to you when you do on Monday nights and you come in an intercession or, or in, in, in when you come together two or three no matter where it is at home in the church at the armory no matter where it is I said a bad word I called this place a church it's not a church it's an armory we are the church who meets at the okay but wherever you are you got keys and you can lock some stuff up but you can also unlock some stuff and unlocking heaven on the earth and unlock and unlocking uh and unlocking joy into a situation, heaven says, okay, you unlocked it, now here it comes. Well, I just don't feel it. No, no, but you got to be more convinced of the power of unlocking joy than of the feeling of, that, that, of, of happiness that fleets. What I'm saying to you is, I'm saying to you, it's very difficult to, uh, what I'm saying to you, when you unlock something, it's got to happen. In the sense of, it was bound. I unlocked it. Now heaven's got to back the play. And if there was a church that kind of thought that way and operated that way, what would, what would the city look like? I'm not talking about what would our congregational status be. I'm saying what would the city look like? I'm going to say one more thing, kind of controversial. I am not a politician. It's not my job to do politics. I am a preacher of the gospel. And so when, when a subset of politics in our city calls me and asks me to pray, I'm going. I don't care if they're on the right side or the wrong side. If they ask me to come pray to Jesus Christ, I will be there. In about a Mother's Day, I was asked to come pray at an event downtown organized by a subset of politics in our city that not everybody likes and agrees with. And who am I to lay down the key that's been given? Say, I'm choosing not to operate with this key based upon a political arena when I have something in my hand that supersedes political arena. And when two or three, or in that case, 50 to 100 people gather together and come into agreement, wherever you are, and I will be there also, and we say, in the name of Jesus, violence stop over this city, do we have faith to believe that we bound something up that it actually has to stop? And when we release joy and peace over our city, do we have faith to believe that heaven responds with joy and peace to back up our prayers? For whatever you ask for, you shall have it, it said. That makes sense? You understand what I'm saying? What I want us to do is to regain the moxie, humility moxie, 
humble moxie of people who actually operate like they think heaven backs their play. You got stuff going on in your family? Your husband and wife, children, bind some stuff, lose some stuff, and expect heaven to back your play. If you have something going on in your life, in your family, and, and you need to see a change, go to the church. I didn't say armory. I said church. The people and get some people to agree with you and y'all bind some stuff and y'all lose some stuff. I do, I cannot imagine going through a real serious trial in my life and not having the body to stand next to me and say, let's attack this thing and let's bind it up and let's lose heaven on this situation. That's why, that's literally one of the functions of the church. Amen? Amen? So let's do that. Stand up on your feet. 12, 12, I am so sorry. Do y'all forgive me? (laughs) Somebody's like, somebody needs to bind that preacher from preaching too long. So today was a teaching. Thank you. Today was a teaching. Look at this. I'm, I'm not trying to get weird, but I'm trying to get you to understand. When you bind and when you loose, that is resulting language in the Greek. And heaven will back your play. Do you believe that? Hey, take the but. I believe that but. Just get that off the sentence. Just quote the scripture. For whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would grant us again the revelation of of how the keys of the kingdom work. And I pray, God, that we would operate in such agreement as the body that when we bind, things are really bound. And when we loose, the heaven comes and looses those things. We pray in the name of Jesus that we would would begin to see tangible answers to our prayers. God, I pray that that, that, that the revelation of this, that we would look to be those who who loose the things of God onto our city. And I pray right now, I want everybody to agree with me. This violence that has come against our city over the last year. This segment of the church stands up this morning and we bind that spirit in Jesus' name. I don't care if you grew up in here. Or if God moved you from a different city and planted you here, God, you gave this city to the church. You planted me here. You planted us here to be gatekeepers. God, we look at the violence coming against our city and we say, that's not allowed. We bind that spirit up. And now in the name of Jesus, may you loose your peace on our city in an unparalleled way that we have not seen in years. 
I pray for such a heavy and real and tangible peace. And, and, and I pray for such a, a tangible uh, camaraderie of this city that we would recapture what it means to be citizens of this city, God. And, and I pray that, that what that the characteristics of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God would be loosed upon this city, that people would be full of love, full of peace, full of joy, full of mercy, full of kindness. I pray, God, that you would loose these things on our city, God. I pray that you would do them. They would be very real. This is not just a token prayer. This is not just empty words. But this is the function of the people of God as they do what we've been called to do. So I pray that there would be a people that would rise up and believe it's real. That it's possible. And I pray that the people would be in this room and that would be us. God, that we would take these things very seriously and very soberly, God. That we would, that we would understand our role as gatekeepers over our city, God. And we would bind some things up that we begin to see that are happening. And God, we pray that you would loose them. And right, right now, I just, I just feel that over oh, our youth of this church, God, who is going on the camps, God, we loose the spirit of heaven. We loose salvation and deliverance. We loose, God, that you would restore your identity into their hearts. God, that every lie that has crept in, we shut its mouth and we bind it off of our children. And we pray that the Bible, they pray that the word of God, we pray that what heaven speaks over our children would be real clear in their ear that they would understand it fully and they would have no doubt that they would embrace it and there would be a marked season this next week that would, that would, that would set a post in their life for the rest of their life. And I pray, God, that we would all agree on these things and we would continue to agree on these things and we would continue to lose heaven. We would continue to lose the, the things of God over our city and over our children. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, teach us to pray again. God, I pray that you would build this congregation in a way that we understood our role. God, that we love the place of prayer because we know we can battle there and win. God, I pray right now that I, I bind off the hearts of the people in this room disappointment where, where you perceivingly lost in the place of prayer. That you're a failure in the place of prayer that you prayed and it didn't happen. But God, I pray that there would be a new heart and a new mindset in the people of this church. That the place of prayer is a place where we win. A place where we have authority. A place where heaven backs the play. So God, I pray that there would be a renewed confidence in our church. That when we pray, it will it will, be, it will happen. Let me pray, God, that you will respond. That just like the scripture says, that when we humble ourselves, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, that heaven will, will respond. Heaven moves and responds to prayer. So I pray that you would make us a praying church. That we would do real work in the place of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I love you. You have a wonderful week.